Wow, wow. On third down and six. Pressure off the edge. Down goes Ryan. To Jamal Adams downhill for the sack. On the run. He gets tripped up from behind by Adams. So you just said you're starting to see more and more of him, and there he is in the backfield. Well, you stay. Jamal Adams is one heck of a pass rusher. There's a reason in his career, no matter where he's been, he gets home. He's doing a heck of a job. Here's pressure off the edge by Adams, and he knocked it out. Looks like Seattle got on top of it. Adams is the one that forced it. And it is picked up by DJ Reed. Well, you stay. Just a little while. Adams screaming around the corner. And he drops Carson Wentz way back at the 25. When did you say mom called you to tell you to take the deal? Yeah, she called me. <laughs> it's funny. She called me at uh, maybe about, well, she didn't call me. She texted me and then I called her. Uh, she called me. I'm um, going to text me about 12 o'clock uh, back home in Dallas. Um, and she just basically... She said my full name, and when my mother says my full name, I think I need to pay attention. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. The preseason is over. The 53-man initial roster is set, and the regular season is just over a week away. Joining myself, Stuart Court, is, as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Not too bad. To pull back one of the... Uh... Most interesting curtains. It's my wedding anniversary in 55 minutes. So if we can stick to a, a tight 54 and a half, that would be terrific. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, God knows what may ensue for me. But um, hey, if you're listening and you're not the people that are joining us, then you can wish me happy anniversary and we'll sort of get an idea of, of metrics and what's going on. So that's actually quite a useful thing to uh, to trail the pod with, actually. Not bad going. Yeah, that's how we did that. It was an edge-biting picture when we got two. From, from Dave, from Dave and Martin, I think sent one over as well. Um, yeah, join us up, join us on a different uh, Ped Pod season preview. Are uh, a few of our tiny number of army of Patreon members, Mr. Nick Wright and Dave Sayers. How are we, gentlemen? Yeah, very good. Cheers. Very, very good. Very good as well, mate. Uh, Nick's kind of letting the side down because he's got an angels related background, I think. And that's 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 his his BT Sport um, reference, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, so don't don't you think like it's quite humbling for us to meet the fans? Like to do this, it's it's a really nice thing that we're doing here, like you know, bringing the fans on. It's a a really nice gesture from us, I feel. Do you remember in the pub? Um, this is already off on a wild I will tangent. Never forget this. What you're about to say in, in the pub. What's the pub? The Green Man. Green Man. The Green Man in Wembley. Me and Adam were decked out in our usual game day clobber, and we had. Was it someone he was with? If you, if you call it out, like let us know. If you listen, let us know. But he was like, "Are you Adam and Stu?" Like, <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> It was one of the weirdest experiences. We got really cool and really nice and like but it was it was really weird that someone Adam. Yeah, it was. But I mean, we've been in Seattle a couple of times and these absolute weirdo fans have got like business cards for themselves, which is one of just the strangest things. And 
without question, when we're there for the San Francisco game, I'm taking a stack of at least a thousand cards with us and we'll just put them all over the place. That'd be great. great fun. He, pretend, he pretends like he doesn't do this already, mate. I've seen stickers all over Spurs of the pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true in the bugs. <laughs> underneath the St. Pauli one, which is in every away exactly. in the, around the country. Exactly. Um, yeah, so last time, since the last time he podded Adam, Jamal Adam signed his contract. He kind of got more than Bobby Wagner. We've seen the big deal. Um, but keen on us paying him is that if that's fair but he paid him now that's that's long gone in the back in the past uh what's your take on all that well he was always going to get paid but what with the cba thing where with the amount of money that players get fined for missing practice and missing a game i mean the inevitability was always going to be that he signed a contract and i just found the thing so boring from start to finish um you know, he, he carries himself like a bit of a Richard Sherman in the way that he like, has an attitude. And uh, I don't think he really has is able to back up that level of attitude yet. And so I, I just find him quite boring in general. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I prefer like the, maybe I like we're spoiled for so many homegrown stars that it's weird to be bringing a superstar for, from outside. I don't know, he doesn't feel like my player yet. Um, and I just find him fairly dull. But we've got two guys here that may put, put me right. Dave, Dave, what do you reckon about the, the whole Jamal Adams situation? Uh, I'm in a complete disagreement, which is probably going to shock Excellent. People. That's good. Uh, the only reason why is because I think you've seen with Seattle's drafting, um, of the last, well, since the Legion Boom era, it's not been the greatest. I think the guy's already been, to, he's been selected as an all-pro. He's been... Pro Bowls, uh, he's a massive alpha character. He's loved around the dressing room. You can tell that from the interviews that people like, give out with it. Um, I actually think it's at a very reasonable deal. I've, I've also got him as one of my selections later on. Um, I do think it's going to be a massive season for Jamal Adams. And the thing is, we're not in a luxurious position at the moment of saying, oh, we can't afford to pay this. We'll let we'll trade him away for pennies on the pound and everything like that. Reality is that once Bobby goes, is that defense is looking very, very bare. So unless they start to actually draft well, um, Jamal could be one of the last pieces and a potential Saints like drop off from a few years back. Yeah, because you look at Saints defense right now. They, I mean, Cam Jordan's in his mid thirties. Um, they've got Lattimore, CGJ. And that is basically it. And obviously the quarterback is in probably a safe look to Jameis. Uh, Nick, Jamal? I think Adam talking about not being homegrown and superstars or whatever, I think it should have been burnt in the past. Obviously, we've done this so many times, haven't we? Where we've brought in these guys from outside. You've brought in Harvin, Clowney, Richardson, whoever. And we haven't paid any of them, have we? For whatever reason, we've let them all go on the whole. And they haven't delivered what we've wanted them to deliver. But I think with Jamal, I mean, as I do agree with Adam. I mean, he was inevitable. There was not a single chance, even this front office, who aren't always averse to making decisions that other front offices wouldn't make. There was not a chance they were paying the cost they paid to get him in and they weren't giving him a deal. So I do agree with Adam. It was boring. Like We knew it would get to this conclusion at some point and just dragging on. But I do agree with Dave. I think it had to be done. It's important and he's going to have a great year. He's a great player. He, we do not pick high enough to get a talent like that. 
And so when you do are able to bring them in, you do have to pay them. You do have to make them a focal point of the defense. And that's where Jamal does have to step up. He now has to earn that contract. He needs to not just do the stuff we know he can do, the pass rush. Like he got his he got his title, didn't he? He got his record, whatever. That's what he wanted. But now he has to do the bread and butter stuff that a safety should be doing. He needs to improve in coverage. He needs to get that career kick that still eludes him, doesn't it? Uh, and actually step up and earn that contract. But I'm happy. I'm happy you said yeah, I mean, I, I think I text you, Adam. I, he, when we go over, hopefully, I go over in December. He will be probably, unless there's a practice squad promotion in the next eighteen weeks, um, will be the jersey I buy when I'm over there. I think. I think he is my next jersey because he's just. Like, I think he's a fun. He's a like the, the off field whatever, but he's a fun player to watch. He's like Clowney was a lot of fun to watch without much production. And obviously, he had all the sacks last year. He broke NFL records. Which was fun to watch, but yeah, I think as you say, Nick, he needs to add a different, a, a few more uh, ticks in the in the in the wing column kind of thing for him to one put play up to the money that he is getting, but to just yeah to leave us a little bit more confident for those post Bobby years because unless Bobby Wagner plays in the five six years, which doesn't seem very likely for a number of reasons, especially in Seattle, um, Jamal is going to be the the focal point the, the 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 guy on the defensive side of the ball as it stands unless you get a Jordan Brooks or um a, a, a someone else step up in the next two three years but yeah so like it's that, that's the biggest thing with Jamal but he, he's he's such a fun player to watch he's he's an Instagram NFL player to a certain extent it's all on Instagram it's all like Drake quotes and stuff like that but on field he's fun and he's he's a Seattle Seahawks for the next three, four years. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that is pretty much the only thing that's the major thing that's come out. Actually, the, the team finished preseason, they won the final game last weekend. Apparently they went to nil. I didn't watch a single second of NFL preseason this year for the first time ever, I think. I don't think you can't say we don't put the research in. No, it took, cannot say we don't do the work. It took, it, took, it took me four days to know what the score was in the second the second game. I think I think you told me, Adam, about four or five days after the game. I just paid no attention to it. Um, and then the roster this weekend, or two days ago, yesterday actually, uh, fifty three man. I mean, again, I didn't watch any preseason, so for me, there's no surprises because there's a lot of names on fifty three. A lot, most of the players they released. <laughs> I think 13, 14 of them are on the practice squad. Obviously, 13 count on the practice squad because of the weird pathway international thing for Aaron Doncor. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the German linebacker, defensive end. Again, not sure where he plays. Apologies. Um, anything that strikes stand out to you, Adam, for the 53, initial 53? I think from a balance standpoint, there's been some eyebrows raised at the idea of having four wide receivers, five running backs. And I think the other 44 players are offensive linemen uh, with one panther. Perhaps. Um, it does seem for those that have their priors, which uh, is quite a Seahawk Twitter fandom thing to do. Um, the idea of having offensive linemen and running backs at the expense of wide receivers is kind of uh, yeah, walking straight into the cliche really, isn't it? Of what Pete Carroll maybe wants his team to be. Obviously, that's going to settle itself down. Um, and I would imagine there's probably you know, five or six different players that are going to be on the 53 come that first game in Indianapolis. And then obviously, after week one, you've got those weird rules with veteran players and how much you have to pay them. So 
think going into that Titans home game, we might be seeing quite a, a different roster, but um, it does seem a bit of a surprise. And also the three quarterback thing seems to be, I uh, presume that's a COVID thing. Uh, it has to be a COVID thing. It's changed today though again, hasn't it? Because Mannion's Magnus- yeah. gone. But they've, but they signed Jake Luton, yeah. who's another quarterback. So the three quarterback thing has got to be a COVID Good consideration, thing. I would imagine, because, you know, if one's a close contest to the other, and I wonder if maybe Jake Luton's going to be a guy that's shut in a room by himself for the season, kind of, in, and, you know, smash glass in case of emergency. Um, if Russell and, and Gino spend too much time on Venetian catwalks, you know, for good man brand or something like that together. Um, that, you know, that, that ice, one has to isolate and the other one gets knackered as well. Um, I, I can only imagine that that's what the situation is so that we don't end up with a Denver Broncos situation like last year. But I don't know. I mean, Nick, looking at the balance, that roster as it stands, um, well, you know, g- give us a take. Is that a Super Bowl winning roster in your mind? Let's put you on the spot straight away. That's a big question, isn't it? Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's not a Super Bowl winning roster. I don't think we've improved enough from previous years. I mean, play calling has been an issue, but for me, play calling is still going to be an issue because whoever is offensive coordinator is not really the guy in charge. And as long as Pete Carroll is there, things are not going to change. And this roster... Okay, this. you asked the question about the roster. The roster potentially has enough talent to go a long way in the playoffs, particularly if Russell Wilson is allowed to flourish and given the game to let him flourish, there's enough talent there. However, the guy in charge is holding them back. And whilst he is there for me, this roster's never going deeper than it currently does. Uh, Dave? Um, I think there's a Geno Atkins hole in that roster. I think that at the moment in time, with the way that the uh, defensive tackles are lined up, there's only three pure ones. Uh, I think LJ Collier might be on the edge. Um, of any post moves, possibly a trade. Um, Phil Haynes' release today is—it just shocked me. Um, I genuinely thought there was a potential of him um, potentially lining up should uh, Lewis need to go into centre because I'm expecting whoever plays out of post and Fuller to be awful. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, for the preseason snaps that I watched, it wasn't pretty a centre. Um, it wasn't through choice. It was by rolling in at 3am. That just happened to be the start time. But, um, I mean, they were going up against Lundgren, was it? Dolph Lundgren, I think, was the uh, the other guy that they had in. And yeah. much better. Um, I mean, I was in Stu's camp for trying to get Pierre-Olivier. To Come on. He's a centre. He's sitting there, there on the practice squad. He's our next centre. But knowing Seahawks, it'll take them two years to find out that he's actually a decent centre. Probably played there most of his career, but let's try him at tackling everywhere else first. I mean, the one saving grace with Ben Burkirvan being out is that Nick Bloor is now not only the greatest fullback in the league, but he's also going to be an impressive linebacker. So he's even more jerseyable now for he's you. He's got the lot. Yeah, has he has. It? He really has. has I mean, it, he's going to be a three, three down player, isn't well. he? Pre-show for this one. I said nothing. The idea that I would do any research for the show is insulting yeah. at the best of times, let alone yeah. that I'd be feeding information to potential guests. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, the only other thing is I can only agree with the, the quarterback issue. I think Jake Luton is there in case of emergency. And I just don't think it, you'd be stupid to stash him on your uh, practice roster because if all of a sudden someone knew that you had a even just the insight of a... Um, a COVID outbreak, all they do is put a claim in against that person and you'd be completely without a quarterback. So, yeah, I think it's probably the right move. It, it is interesting that the NFL didn't do anything about the 
after the Denver thing because they could dissolve like they've done it with the international thing but maybe that's just hindsight talking um, I think the group I think I said a few weeks ago I think the group is excited to be excited about is the, the pass rush guys so you've got Jamal who, who knows what he's going to be asked to do but then you've got Daryl Taylor who apparently looked quite good Alton Robinson looked quite good Rasheen Green is still knocking around and you pay Carlos Dunlap and he seems to be the the new leader of that group, the veteran leader, John Reeves, obviously now in Kansas. So that's the group which I think will, it, if that group flourishes, then we probably won't be talking much about how Bobby well, might be, but it won't be as excruciating watching whatever cornerback plays right corner because they don't seem to know the amount of moves they're making to that defensive backfield. I mean, another one has been signed today. Sidney Jones was traded for over the weekend, which... It's about three ACL injuries and five years too late, really. Um, but do we feel like do we feel like Sydney Jones is going to start a right cornerback? Because I saw today that they look like they're moving DJ Reed over to the left. Yeah, well, yeah, DJ Reed said he's been he practiced yesterday or maybe the second day he's practiced on the left. Yeah. Which one doesn't bode well for Keller Witherspoon, and two. I mean, Trey Brown's injured. I think he's going on things. Chat about him going on like the short IR, which will rule him out for the first month of the season. So potentially, but I think we've said since the schedule come out that week two game with Julio, Derek Henry, and AJ Brown, and we don't know who our two cornerbacks are. Obviously, there's a game in between, but it's it's yeah. The, the, the only good thing about the Titans game on paper is that it's an AFC game so it doesn't really there's that weird tie break things where you need to play non-normal opponents and stuff but that game is petrifying um, yeah, I'm, can I'm, you believe that a Pete Carroll Seattle Seahawks team is in this situation with its cornerbacks yeah. you can say what you want about the pass rush it's not going to make a blind bit of difference if the guys can't you know back end can't no, that's, that's what I mean seconds. that's what if they can if they can get to the quarterback it's going to Lessen the, but it's the other way around, though, isn't it? Aberration. I think conventional wisdom. I don't want to go, you know, full Ben Baldwin on on the pod here because God knows we don't need that. But like conventional wisdom would suggest that the cornerbacks are the ones that free the pass rushers in the modern NFL, as opposed to the other way yeah. around. And like it's a bunch of bums. At yeah, but, but yeah. But also at the same point, uh, name the Kansas City Chiefs cornerbacks. But name their passers with Jaron Reed, well, mm. Frank Clark, and Chris Jones last year. They they don't think they don't think they have a linebacker on the roster in Kansas City. But they just find a way. I know they give up points, but then it doesn't matter because they've got Mahomes and everything. But I don't know. I, th- I think if the passers can step up, which it's it sounds like in- it's encouraging at, at at the minute. But I, this isn't a Super Bowl winning roster I think they could go deeper in the playoffs I'm a lot of shaking heads I, 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 I don't I, I think we'll win I think we could win the division again once once we lose find Philip Dorsett now he's been released by the Jaguars maybe we have a chance then once Dorsett's yeah. back but, yeah. I see he's on their practice squad <laughs> so that's it he's Pete, locked down now Pete, Pete will get him back don't worry it just, it, it does feel like such an important season. Mm. Uh, future Russell Wilson, your offensive coordinator, the drafting strategy, what with Jamal Adams, you know, taking up a lot of, of, of the capital that they had, that to be just walking into the season with, 
some might say, you know, put it this way, it can't be a good thing that 10 days before the start of the season, we have no idea who's playing either cornerback. And it just seems like such an aberration to be in this position so close to the season in a team that have always built from back to front that maybe, maybe it will work, but it strikes me as an end. I've said all summer. Yeah. They've got, they haven't got holes because they've got people that are filling the holes, but they might as well have the four of us as a secondary at the minute. Cause I I worry that we'll do about as much good as what they've got on the roster currently. Yeah, but I, I think what I said, I think, again, during the off-season, that Russ, Pete Carroll has basically gone, look, Russell's Russ, quarterback, Walter and Higo, I'll sort the defence out. So there is a lot on him to do that because that is his specialty and everything else. But, yeah. Like, outside, outside of the cornerback, so obviously Marquis Blair seems he's going to be the nickel. The defence is all right. Jordan Brooks is... You've got Quandre holding out or doing his weird... Whatever that nonsense. Holding in. Holding in, whatever it is. I mean, that's never good preparation, whatever Uh, they talk about. It's not good preparation for the season. Charles obviously had his holding as well earlier on. But there's so many... That whole second period of so many questions. You don't know what Marquise is going to be like. That's the whole of the five guys you'd think would start back there. Who have doubts about them and question marks? But doesn't the roster set up now not make you believe it's going to be more nickel-based defense? Definitely, because you've only got four linebackers, one of them to fullback by trade. Yeah. I mean, it's set up not to play base defense. So, I mean, yeah, there I is that positive coming across here. If Ken mm. Norton Jr. has learned a new trick in the off-season, I mean, happy days. <laughs> Michael yeah. Kendricks must be somewhere. He's in San Francisco. He's on IR. He's out for the season. He's got turf toe. Has he? He went to the 49ers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ken Norton. <laughs> uh, new tricks. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> what time is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a season season preview. I'm going to try and break this down as best I can. Obviously, the main reason if the Seahawks do anything is going to be the quarterback for 2021, at least. Um, Russell Wilson, again, there's a lot on his plate. He's still probably he's in the upper tier, upper echelon of... Of NFL uh, quarterbacks, but what do you see him being better than last year, Adam? He ha- does he have to be better than last year, or is that not a plateau? Because he's still, if he's a plateau from last year, he's still going to be in that upper tier. But what does Russell Wilson need to do to push this team further than they have gone the last three, four years? That's a really good question. Um, is it about what? he does because I don't know what you guys think I don't think that what I feel like I've seen enough to know that he can't irrespective of surroundings put a team on his back and win it by himself and that's not a slight on him because not many people can do that but I think if you look at the way in which he tried to do it in the second half of last season the Rams game or whatever I feel like he needs a bit more around him than a Mahomes I'll come to you in a second Nick Nick I'll definitely come to you after this for me, he's not the guy that, irrespective of receivers, irrespective of his line, irrespective of scheme, can just say, fuck it, I'll do, I'll do this myself. So he's obviously got all the talent that we need to have. And if the scheme works and he's got enough guys around him and the line's good, then I think he'll be fine. But I think a lot of what the offense are going to do is going to be dependent on 
how it's schemed and how he's protected because if he's kept upright for long enough, he'll be great. But if not, and he tries to force it like he did at the back end of last year, I think we'll probably see a similar enough season, which was very good, but not enough to win it himself. Go, go on, Nick, because you're, you're frothing. Just, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, does his record of comebacks and fourth quarter comebacks not count for something. He clearly is a guy that can take over a game because we've watched it enough times to see the Seahawks being so passive for one to three quarters. So passive, just let it run the ball, you know, run the ball on three downs, give it up, let Russell complete a short pass, whatever, and just not do anything. And then when it comes to it and we're down and you let Russell like air it out, take the game over with his legs, he's done it time and time again. So I don't believe you can call him a guy that can't take over a game and win it by himself because I think he can and I think he's shown that in his time in the NFL. I don't think he has in all of the ways you've just said for a couple of years. He hasn't taken over the game with his legs. He hasn't taken over a game with his legs. 16 maybe this last time he, he has taken over games and the fourth quarter stuff is just ridiculous that's like ingrained in like his, his like whole psyche there's been enough written about him our, our pal Mike Dugar a couple years ago did the thing when he was in the minor leagues and he's just like no one probably in the minor leagues has that mindset and he was only in there for like six days or six weeks wherever it was for one summer his whole psyche puts him in a position to do that which is why he's good being the Seattle Seahawks quarterback, but I, I don't, I, I don't think there's enough. It's not trust because there's clearly trust there, but there's, there's just, there's not enough. I don't know. The, the over under on him is the, there's still a restraint on him, which is just insane. And again, as you said earlier, Nick, it comes from the guy who's calling the plays but not calling the plays. There's still that thing on him, and I think if he ever gets allowed, which he probably never is going to be allowed in Seattle while Pete Carroll's here to be fully allowed to go to do what Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and Byron Leftwich and did and do what um, Mahomes with uh, Bielemi and Reed does in Kansas City. I just don't think that's going to happen. But the, what we have got in resource of the quarterback is good enough. Is something that half... Well, 95% of the league wants but it's us which are kind of I don't know throwing against the wall and hoping it keeps working but because he hasn't done 2013-14 Russell Wilson thing for a while but he's still being productive he's still doing the fourth quarter stuff uh, Dave? So I'm convinced that this is the last year for Russ or Pete I can't there's one or the other going if not both um, what that looks like next year it depends on how this year goes. Um, for all the um, Winton that we do through the photos of Italy or through whatever Russell uploads, I don't think there's any denying that Russell actually looks in better shape than he. I think he has done for a long time. He went for very much that Brady mentality of try and get through games, where this time he actually looks in a better condition to play football and more like 16 was. Um I think with the offense, the way that Waldron's already showed so far with jet sweeps and DS Gridge and um, Swain, that there is potential for holes to open up for Russell to run through and, and keep the ball. Um, so I do expect it to be a more productive year for Russell, um, especially on his feet. Um, the reality is it go, always goes, goes back to one person, that person's Pete Carroll, is that it doesn't matter how much... Um, 
we need to, or Seahawks need to go chase in the fourth quarter. His idea is that in the fourth quarter, that's it. We go for it. It doesn't matter how far we're behind. So it it drives you insane. It's the same as a playoff game. It was like it was always within in reach, but it was just that little bit too far because you were up against Aaron Donald and you're up against. Um, Jalen Ramsey, but then the Niners are going to get their players back. The cards who everybody's rating are probably just going to be a flash in the pan, I still think. But the reality is, the the games that are on the schedule this year are tough and you've also got to throw into it that even that first game against Colts it's going to be a classic Seahawks shit show of that they probably won't have Wentz, they probably won't have Ryan Kelly, they probably won't have um, Nelson they'll probably be without uh, Leonard and all of a sudden Seahawks will lose 12-5 because that's the kind of game that it's going to be. You you mentioned the schedule there, by the way. I, I don't get it. I saw earlier, apparently we've got the easiest one in the NFL. Absolutely. We play the NFC West. It's actually nonsense, right? Is that based on last year's record or projections on, for this year? I think, I think it was based on like predicted wins or something stupid like that. But I just don't get it because I look at our schedule and I think that's the toughest we've had in a very long time. Yeah. Like, there aren't many wins there you would say are bankers for us. Texans and that's about it. Um, yeah, so the first was the worst one thing in 2023 for 4,212 yards and 40 touchdowns. Um, one word, really better one or both. So just say one or both. 42, 12 yards, 40 touchdowns. I think it'll be lower on yards and better on touchdowns. More efficient. Mm. I think I agree. I'm going both for the 17th game this season. All true. That's a good point. Game definitely helps. I wonder if they might try and score a rushing touchdown this year, which doesn't appear to be a, been the plan for the last few years. So I think I might go lower on both, but fewer mistakes and interceptions as well to go with it. We had 13 interceptions last year for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll all about the ball. is not... Um, good. Uh, running back Chris Carson, we signed probably the biggest move they made in the offseason or the free agency part of the offseason for certain. Um, the main question with him, Adam, is he going to play 17 or 21 games? Uh, well, he's not going to play 21 games because the Seahawks aren't going to games <laughs> and they ain't playing 20 either. Um, it's to be sorry for the spoiler for, for February, guys. Um, I imagine, I reckon they had the shit scared out of them so much in the year they had to bring Marshawn Lynch back that much to Carson's chagrin, they will hold him and keep him to make sure they've got him at the end of the year. I mean, last year really was the year that you flog him because he was leaving on a, yeah. he, he was going to go be a free agent, but they kept him and kept him and didn't use him because they were so terrified at the end of the season. Now they're paying him a lot of money. Um, relative to his position that I would imagine that every one of his touches will be uh, fairly meticulously planned and, and scheduled because I think they probably are scared that he's going to break break at some point. So um, I would go under whatever he had last year, maybe over on touchdowns because I think the touchdowns were fairly low last year, weren't they? Yeah, he, he had five touchdowns, 681 yards, but he, only, he, he did not have a game where he had more than 20 touches of a football he had 23 times and that was it so yeah they definitely did protect him which like you said I agree it's a weird tactic because he just seemed for the world he was leaving then he was back um, six, eight, five, 6 8 1 5 Nick Chris Carson Br- Brucey bonus high or lower 
You'd like to hope we'll get more yards than that. I mean, if we're going to run the ball more, which we're expecting, and even if he's on a pitch count, and even if, as Adam says, they're meticulously planning his touches. Which yeah, fair. Six eight one is absolute shite. So I'm going to go over, especially for a good running team that will use him, and he is a very good running back. We haven't re-signed him for no reason. We all know if he's healthy and getting the ball, he's going to do damage. So I'm going over on that and over on touchdowns. However, I know you two haven't watched preseason, but Alex Collins has looked very good. And he's a, he's, he's looking like a good number two. And I don't put much stock in preseason usually, but looking good for number two there. He looked much better than Rashad Penny. I mean, what a sentence that is about a first-round pick. They've sucked you in. The preseason has sucked you in. The war reenactments that I'll make Kieran Byrne does, like like it's uh, like, like it's a real battle. Which basically the preseason has sucked you in and spat out Aaron Collins as a top player for you. It's Collins. Oh, it's Collins. Alex Collins. He's playing the game for our Seahawks next week. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Nick, Dave, do you think he's going to play 16 games? No, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's got a full season in him. Um, I expect him probably to be more like latter. Um, what's the Rams old running mod? Todd Gurley, um, where he's more of a pass catcher. Surprise, because I think the Seahawks last few seasons have shown exactly what type of play they're playing before the, the snap's even taken. If Travis Homer's on the pitch, then it's a pass protection play. If DJ Dallas plays on the pitch, it's likely to be a pass catching play. If Rashad Penny's on the pitch, then something's gone horribly wrong. But um, the reality is, I do agree with Nick. I do think Alex Collins looked good. Um, some people are probably going back to work in supermarkets next week. Uh, the reality is, I think Penny's, Penny is screwed. I don't know what his role in this team is anymore. Because, he's, he's he's only still on the team because he's a first round pick. Yeah, right? Absolutely, and draft value carries so much weight into it. How many times have you seen players? Well, the Seahawks are enamoured with them. Going back to oh, you were selected in the 2013 first round draft. Yeah, let's take you in. But the reality is that Penny doesn't have a role on this team. Um, it doesn't look if Belor is going to be playing linebacker. The reality is they probably won't be playing much fullback stuff because it's just going to be so obvious that if they're playing fullback stuff, they're going to be running it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of, all of a sudden you think Carson's going to be running, he spits out wide and there's a pass. Like uh, the first game last season against Falcons, he scored, he got that um, receiving Screen. touchdown and it completely took everyone by surprise because no one was expecting it. <laughs> because they, they And they never it. did it again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because everyone knew what was coming. Because there's, it's like Brian Schoenheimer had... If he, he had a good play, he'd play that hit over and over again. Whereas I do think that um, this year with Wilder, I'm hoping, let's put it rather than think, that there's going to be some more Todd Gurley style, where you didn't see that one coming type of plays. Yeah. Well, I mean, Todd Gurley is, one, is 26 and he's out of the league. And Frank Gore is 45 and then just left and was the last pick in one of our dynasty drafts, Nick. Um, uh, I don't believe that Dave hasn't been paid off for so many Nick Valore references. That's the one. <laughs> I love Nick Valore. Nick Valore is brilliant. He's a funny, Mike Dugan will say he will guarantee this. He's a funny guy in Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, one, one, uh, one thing on that screen that Pete Carroll spent a good minute and a half, two minutes after that Falcons game calling up how it's perfectly blocked. And what you said. It never did it again. Um, 
On receiving Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf both went over a thousand yards last year. DK Metcalf appears is entering a contract year. You'd expect. I think he's only four year contract, second round pick. Um, they're, they're both not going to do a thousand yards again, are they? Especially with Everett in the mix, Disley, Parkinson could be back in a few weeks. It seems, and you've got Estridge, Freddie Swain, and. Um, David Moore, HOF DMO, when he comes back from uh, the Queen City in a few days. Um, so if 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 you are to, were to pick one of the guys to go over a thousand, I mean, Tyler Lockett had a hundred catches last year, and obviously got his extension in the off season as well, which seems to be somewhat forgotten. Which I because I say that because I've forgotten it until about two hours ago. Um, which one? It's going to be DK, right, uh, Dave? I'm going both of them. I, I still think that. Um, the idea of closing down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is great in essence, but you've seen through how many seasons now that it's just, even when Doug was here, it's stop, try, it's pick your poison, isn't it? You've got to basically assume which one's going to be free. And if they're running a lot more reading routes, a lot more shorts, um, the potential is there to break one off and get, Extra yards. Plus, you've got a seventeenth game. The only the only thing that worries me is Tyler Lockett's knees. Is is that injury? Is it will start to catch up with him sooner rather than later. Forget about that seventeenth game, uh, Nick. I was going to say the exact same as Dave. I can't disagree with them at all. I think those two are premium wideouts. We have a quarterback that loves throwing them deep. I think they can both go over a thousand again. Adam. Yeah, I don't think a thousand. I mean, you've got to throw for four and a half thousand yards over 17 games, one way or the other. Um, And there's not many that can do it. But I think DK Metcalf, if we make it a bit spicier and say who will have more yards versus what they had last year, I think DK is the kind of guy that we saw against Tampa Bay two years ago, San Francisco last year, that if you give the guy the ball in space, there's not many who can stop him. So it wouldn't surprise me if you know, on a couple of slants inside our half, DK was in the end zone seven or eight seconds later. I don't think Tyler Lockett, he's weird really, because he doesn't appear to be that strong, that fast, that elusive, but he's open all the time. So I'm not convinced that Tyler's going to be the guy that can break off a 60-yard run all yards after the catch. But DK wouldn't surprise me if we saw four or five kind of highlight reel touchdown runs from him this year. I mean, Tyler was basically Doug Baldwin in like 2012, 2013, 2014. Mm. Lockett, Lockett was the speed guy. Curse was uh, Jermaine Curse. And uh, Doug Baldwin was kind of like just always there. And that's what Tyler Lockett is. Like the, like he had like 4,000 catches in the two games against Arizona because they just left him open. He's just he's just kind of the guy. He doesn't have that break breakaway speed. He has the, the, like He has the speed to get downfield. But that is obviously different to, as you say, getting the ball in space. But we've said that for a few years. Russell Wilson doesn't really throw them open that much. That's why we haven't seen much from tight ends last couple of years because he doesn't trust them. Which is like the again, a domino for that was the starting thing with DK Metcalf his rookie year because he was trusting a rookie who had question marks coming into the league. Uh, Nick again itching to get a comment. I agree with Adam actually in terms of DK and catching the ball shorter and running. I mean, was it the Niners? He had that catch across the field where he ran all the way across mm-hmm. and then into the end zone. We have to see more of that from DK. He can't be going deep each time. That's what you need to trust him. He, he's look at the size of his body. Like get yourself across the defender, catch the ball and run. Like you're an absolute freak athlete, and we should be utilizing his 
freakiness all the time. Yeah. Right? And as you say, and then you've got Tyler, who just finds that knack to be in space. And open. And yeah. As a one-two, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd trade him for anyone. As a as a pairing, I don't think uh, I'd trade him for one-two pairing. I think you've got to also take into consideration as well. The Rams pretty much shut down DK last year, and their secondary's been hit. No Brandon Staley. The reality is that if DK doesn't get a hundred yards in he, in one of those games at least, I'll be shocked. Because even mm. if they put um, Ramsey on DK, then all of a sudden Tyler's going to fill his boots. DS which may get some Titans, then may get some. Um, I don't. I, I people are rating the Rams way too high, in my opinion, especially the defensive side of it. Over the, the the person to be scared of is Aaron Donald. We all realise that, and. Ramsey's very, very, very good. But after that, they're, they're now starting to struggle with having paid everyone. That cap space is, it doesn't pay the backups and the depth like it used to. Same situation the Seahawks were in. Yeah. And we think we have no draft picks. Um, the Rams are taking it to an extreme. I, 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 I think, in fairness, I, I, the, Ram, the Rams are a good example because, yeah, we were, last year was a case of, you know, seven step drop and lobbing it to. Uh, Metcalf wherever possible and then Aaron Donald were just knocking Russell Wilson's head off I think we saw was it against Darius Slay against the Eagles that he put the ball in DK Metcalf's hands enough times and he runs over his face enough times the guy soon goes away and Jalen Ramsey I don't care what people say can be got at if you start pissing him off and I would give DK Metcalf the ball even on the bloody line of scrimmage if you have to and say run into the bastard and see what happens if you do it enough times and I guarantee he'll get his yards eventually we tried that's that a, and it was off and it was a big that's a good point yeah. that's, that's a very good point that's a very good point but also I, 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 I also think DK is aware of that as well but he's aware that he has it's not doesn't have Jalen's number because Jalen like Dave said kind of shut him down but he he knows how he could win against him which is again what is, is makes DK different from many what third fourth year receivers we've seen for the Seahawks because it, it doesn't it doesn't work for the most point uh, Chris Durham pouring one out for you um, yeah uh, elsewhere on the on my offense that's probably it on a tight end we've got Everett we've got Parkinson we've got Disley who's I means all about Everett right he's going to be the guy a tight end this year Nick exactly exactly yeah don't have much faith I mean, tight what? I mean, <laughs> but never no, remember though, Adam. J- Jimmy Graham was bad. No, it was that. terrible. Remember ten that. Ta- remember ten that. touchdowns. Ten touchdowns. Waste of space. Waste yeah. of space. Who does that? The greatest tight end in team history was bad. Um, defensively, then, Bobby Wagner's still going to be there. There is a lot on Jordan Brooks, isn't there, Adam? As, yeah, there is because he is the you know. He, he people will see him as the reason why KJ Wright's not on the roster and talk about, you know, obviously we're a bit biased, but talk about guys that are proper team guys that you want to see do well. The guy's not got a contract probably because the Seahawks stuck a first round pick on Jordan Brooks and nothing would give us more pleasure than Brooks playing up to that pick. But if he doesn't, it's going to be very, you know, it's going to be hard not to make comparisons. When BBK went down, there was a lot of, Oh, we'll just sign KJ Wright now and that'd be fine. But BBK was going to do 200 special team snaps uh, and maybe do a bit of covering, you know, if someone was injured, which was not what KJ Wright would be doing. Uh, it, it unfortunately is for Jordan Brooks. If you don't perform, people will be pissed off because you're not KJ Wright. And um, I would fall under a cliff and be the worst player of all time under that pressure. Hopefully, uh, Jordan Brooks has got a bit more about him than I do uh, and, and can rise to the challenge. 
Uh, Nick, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Adam. I mean, obviously, he's been brought... People in- stop saying that, by the way. But it's it's, it's an obvious <laughs> standpoint to have, Stu. That's what you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean... Look, Jordan Brooks has been brought in to be like the guy, right? He's the he's the next one up for Pete Carroll and John Schneider. They loved him out of college. He's had a couple of years with Bobby there. Obviously, he's seen as a long-term successor at linebacker. And as Adam says, people will judge him against KJ Wright, who is an absolute legend um, of the franchise, who still hasn't got a team. And that also works against him. I think if KJ had gone elsewhere and signed for decent money it would have been all right but the fact yeah. that KJ's still out there on the market is just adding to the pressure on Jordan as we go into the year but I personally think he'll rise to it I think he's a very good player I think he's I mean, good things and the second year you generally I think see what a player's made of in the first year we saw enough to think this could be the guy but this is a big year for him and I think he'll shine the, the, the biggest thing for Brooks, I think we said it quite a lot last year during the season, is the more he got on the field, the more he popped, which is obvious, which is obvious, obviously, but it's also a good thing. Uh, Dave, Jordan Brooks, he, is, there is a lot on him amongst everything else on that defensive side of the ball, isn't there? Yeah, but what a player to be playing next to him, Bobby Wagner, like in terms of... It's a bit weird when you watch the old like Seahawks videos, like especially the social media stuff, the amount of rookie hazing that he used to give Shaquem Griffin, where it was very much like calling him rookie, taking the piss and everything like that. He doesn't do that to Jordan Brooks. It's almost that air of respect is a lot higher, whether he wants to admit it or not. Just in an ideal Seahawks world, Jordan Brooks becomes Fred uh, Warner in terms of that second year, third year jump of where all of a sudden you think, yeah, he's a good role player. And then all of a sudden it becomes like a linchpin of your team. And there are expectations on him being a first round pick, but he's also got Patrick Queen that we forget about, which was the next draft pick after him, that he's seen Patrick Queen get off to a very good start, nominated for rookie of the year. That's going to drive something in him to say, actually, well, I was picked ahead of him. I'm better than him. I need to prove this. So I think that... I do think that mentality, going back to what we said about Jamal, having that alpha style and learning from Bobby, is all going to work in his favour. There was also the Oklahoma kid, Kenneth Murray. He went charges. Charges, yeah. Um, Yeah, I I, I think Jordan Brooks... (laughs) I think Jordan Brooks could be close to... If he stays fit and if he... Yeah, I think Jordan Brooks could be pro bowl... Uh, adjacent by the end of the season I really think he's a good player I think he's a really really good player I think this season everything else will slow down in the second year I think obviously linebacker is a weird pro bowl thing but I think he will be in the in the chat he'll be a hashtag when all the pro bowl voting happens I don't think he stands I can't see it not not while Bobby's there like I like him a lot while Bobby's there I don't think any other seat so no, okay, that's probably true. The worst thing about it is, unless for injury, the NFC linebackers already picked. It'll be Levon to David, it'll be Fred Warner, it'll be Bobby Wagner. Okay, you've talked you talk, so you've, hard. You've talked me down off that um, pedestal. <laughs> that's why they that's, that's why they, 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 they agree with you, Stu. They just agree with me because I don't make silly takes like yeah, that. That's true. That's um, what it is. Uh, right, defensive interceptions last year in 2020. Quandary Diggs led the league, led the team, not the league, opening league, the league uh, with five interceptions. Again, I think we said it for the last couple of years, if that has got to be improved on getting the ball, the hands on your ball, on, on the ball, on your ball, on the ball. <laughs> it's almost midnight. Uh, uh, Adam? 
well, there's no Jared Goff in the division, so that's going to impact Quandra Diggs' interception numbers quite dramatically, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite a random one because the best players are the ones that don't get the interceptions anymore because they don't get thrown at. So yes, we're going to have loads. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should have a bucket load. Um, I, I think it's almost too random to, to call interceptions. I mean, I don't know if any of our cornerbacks have even got hands, let alone if they can catch the ball. Um, so I, I don't know. Nick, you can take this one because I, I haven't really got an answer for this one. I think DJ Reed's going to have lead the lead the Seahawks in picks this year. He's a returner, isn't he? I mean, he can clearly catch the ball. Um, he's flashed a bit last year. I think he'll get five or six. We're not going to do... I don't think we'll be great for picks again this year. No. I'd like, uh, to, I'd like to think Jamal Adams can get at least one. Yeah. <laughs> so don't take Vince Wilfork. <laughs> uh, Dave? Um, I would... Going on a slight tangent... Surprisingly, I would pay Quandre the money that he wants. Get it all sorted now, because I agree. There's quite a few people who have said this that I still think that the Seahawks have the potential to have the best safety um, tandem in the NFC. I, 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 I think it's a fantastic pairing between the two. Of them. I I would pay Quandre before. I understand Quandre more than Dwayne Brown. Oh, no, I understand why they're not paying Dwayne Brown more than I don't understand why they haven't paid Quandre. Because they don't want to... All right, for me, I I love Condra. I think he's a good player. Yeah. I don't want to tie so much money up in the safety spot. Right? It, yeah. it was okay when we did it with Cam, and I, it didn't work out with Cam, but it was okay when we did it with Cam and Earl because they were general, like, generational talents for this defense. Quandre yeah. Diggs and Carl Adams are not good players, very good players, like... But I don't want to tie so much of the cap up in two safeties. It's no. not where the modern NFL is. No, no, I agree. Um, I agree with that. Um, so do you? So the Seahawks saying, like, do you have a second round pick next year? Yeah, yeah. So pick fifty odd. We're gonna hope. It, it, uh, could you find a better college prospect than Quandre Diggs? Because he's out of contract next next spring. drafted so many. Like safeties that want, like it's about time for one of them to step up. I mean, Quadrilegs is not going to miss games, right? Mm. Because of how much he's going to get paid. So, I do find that there is quite a weird attitude amongst fans that are like, yeah, like pay the man, like get the bag to the player. Like, surely we want as many players to earn as little money as possible mm-hmm. so that our team what is happened, best. What happened when we won the Super Bowl? Yeah, like. No, I wouldn't pay Quandre Diggs. Just fucking play against Indianapolis. You're gonna, he's not gonna miss games. Agreed. So why he would you? Himself. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be like. It's not fair because someone else gets paid and he doesn't. But that's a salary cap sport. I'd be more worried that Dwayne Brown may genuinely not turn up because he hasn't turned up in the past. But if Quandre Diggs is going to play, why would you just give him more money? Like, yeah. So you can't do it with everyone. So no. for me, I'm just like, don't really care. I find all these contract things so boring, honestly. The, the flip side of it, though, is you can see a progression route from most places on the team. You've either got somebody young coming in or there's, other than Russell, there's there's a plan in place. I don't think there's a free safety on that team at the moment that even if they had to do it in a, in a whiff, say, for example, Hugo uh, Amadi had to go play free safety because Quandre got ejected again, or if Marcus uh, Marquise Blair had to go play free safety, they're, they're very much hitters. They're very much um, position where they want to try and rougher people, whereas Quandre plays it sideline to sideline. He's not, oh, let's make that, that 
abundantly clear. But I think he he just executes the role very, very well. You say that, but last year, actually, Quandre was really good at the hitting part and actually pretty bad in coverage, if you look at his ratings, which to me is a surprise. I mean, the eye test doesn't necessarily match that and what you think of the player. But in reality, it was. He was great at tackling and terrible in coverage. Just like um, I don't know. I, I really like the player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's good. For it, it was a great trade for us at the time. Yeah. I just don't know if I want to lock up long-term money in him. Yeah, no, I, no I, I'm not sure they will pay him, but I understand if they were to pay him and not pay Dwayne because Dwayne Brown is 36, 37, Quandre is 30, maybe not even that old. If we, if we talk about this as Russell Wilson's D-Day season, mm. if you can only take one of those two into this season... Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, just because I legitimately don't know who. Well, I don't know who plays plays a quadro. I guess it'd be Hugo. I mean, well, I think I might this might play Marquise, but yeah. But but also, I do think. I mean, Quandre like, Diggs is good, but if you can't find a safety who we got for a fifth round pick in the second round, I know it's weird. If you get my my uh, the direction I'm going, like yeah, like you you kind of let. You kind of run the risk of letting him walk, which you couldn't really do with Jamal because of one, because of the price you gave up to bring him over, but two, because he's, he's like as Nick said, he's a player you're not going to get a talent, a level of talent you're not going to get um, a shot at in the draft. Um, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, he led the team last year, nine and a half sacks. Um, he's probably going to get quite a few this year, but who else should need to step up on the sack numbers uh, second was Jerome Reed who's no longer here Benson Mayo had six his third um, it's it's going to be one of those pass rushes isn't it Adam if not I mean, if Jamal Adams gets nine and a half is that a good sign for the 2021 Seahawks no because 92% of the blitzes that Jamal Adams had I think there was a passer rating against of 128 point something so it's such a shit or bust tactic to be blitzing to my hands the whole time. Um, and yeah, I don't want to get into this because I'm just going to sit down into a room where I get pissed off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like pass rushers should rush the passer. Yeah. It's their name. So let's do that. And let's have the safety as a safety and the linebackers as a linebacker. And then we can mix it up as an element of surprise as opposed to making the element of surprise the number one tactic because I think eventually especially with more and more tape these teams are going to understand the looks and it's going to be even easier especially with ropey cornerbacks just to pick off a secondary with three guys in it yeah Uh, Dave uh, I'd like to see Darrell Taylor, if we're being honest, but it's effectively his rookie, his rookie season. So I think the reality of that is unlikely. Uh, Carlos Dunlap needs to realistically somewhere between eight and 10 sacks if he's living up to all the hype that's around him and, and the trade that paid off. Um, I think the one that has massive... over that has potential to, to be an over in this category is Puna Ford. I think Puna... Um, being an early down pass rusher, especially if you get Gino Atkins in or um, if he's not having to be a nose tech, then all of a sudden you've got um, the chance to pick up sacks from him if you're squeezing the pocket because you've got that pressure on the outside. Yeah, I, I, Puna Ford is a good shout. I, I, yeah, I quite like Puna Ford, the Puna Hive and all that. Uh, Nick? Leo is back this year, isn't he? 
I was yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be him, but Dunlap's got to be the guy, right? Yeah, I think so. He got five sacks. He was here for nine games. I mean, he's, he's been a great, he's a great veteran presence on the line. He looked yeah. so sharp when he came in. He absolutely opened up gaps for others, which is the only worry if you're predicting who's going to be the biggest sack guy is the fact he will be double teamed if anyone is. But I'm going to still stick with Dunlap. I really like him. It was a really shrewd acquisition. So glad he's back. Yeah. One thing about Dunlap is number eight. One, a pass, I know they changed numbers. A pass rusher shouldn't wear eight. A pass rusher in Seattle should not wear eight. It's four three better. Oh. Uh, compared to eight, when Matt Hasselbeck is going up in the ring of honor in like seven weeks, yeah, it is better. But yeah, even that was questionable. Um, so just will the Seahawks win the NFC West, Nick? What was that? Sorry, Steve? Will the Will the Seahawks win the NFC West? I like to be optimistic on these things, so I, I am going to say yes. Oh. I'm personally not convinced. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Niners, it, the Niners it, it kind of depends on what Trey Lance does, I think, and when they let take the shackles off him and let him loose. Yeah. And, and if he's any good in that offense, which we don't know yet, um, he might not be. But I think the Niners are going to be good. I agree with the Rams assessment earlier. They're obviously going to be good, but they're nowhere near as good as they think they are or is being made out they are. And the Cardinals again. I mean, it's a tough division, isn't it? You can make a case for any four of these teams. Yeah, like, like I said on Paul Gallant's uh, show a few weeks ago, I think all four NFC West teams went to the playoffs. But then I saw the, the Cardinals' uh, cornerback depth after their 53. I've heard of one player, Aaron yeah, Murphy. Still better, I don't... Than ours. still better than ours, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, good. that's a very good point. At least I've heard of them. Also, shout out, it's midnight, so happy anniversary, Adam. Happy anniversary, Adam. I was going to say that for uh, being in the bin uh, one minute into uh, into this podcast, but hey, we've done all right. Um, did you answer that question, Nick? Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, Dave? Yeah, I think Steelers have, have got this, um, and it's not a case of... Um, so much how the Seahawks can throw it away. I think it still goes down to the Niners now not picking Mac Jones looks like a hell of a mistake. Um, so I'm banking on that. That's the that's what I'm going to go with. Um, in terms of the Cardinals, if Colin Murray still runs around and still doesn't throw the ball when he even with the talent he's got outside, he still looks like there's a mistake in it. Cliff Kingsbury's the reason why Cardinals won't won't do much I still think he's not a yeah. coach uh, and the Rams the Rams will be a pain they probably will beat us twice and it'll be a pain in the ass, and everybody will hate the Rams as we always do but then they'll end up losing games that they shouldn't lose because I just don't think that anything's changed without Brandon Staley I think that's their biggest loss uh, Adam I think if obviously injuries will come into it and it makes it quite a hard one to, to judge but if you told me that everyone was going to stay as healthy as they could do. I think the, the 49ers have got an unbelievably strong roster. Um, even looking at like Debo Samuel and Ayuk as your wide receivers. And then, you know, I'm not entirely sure what their cornerback situation is like, but you, know, you talked about our pass rushes. I mean, they've got, you know, Nick KK Bosa, um, you know, <laughs> as, as one, as one of two pass rushes coming back. I mean, the amount of injuries they had last year, um, you know, they've got proper stars at pass rush. And I think they've got, yeah, you know, even someone like Raheem Most that in Shanahan's system has always been good. If Lance is good, Kittle obviously. I I think that if 
if everyone's going to stay relatively healthy, they would be my best bet for the division, I think, because I think they've just got a lot of depth in an awful lot of positions. Yeah, I think the Seahawks win the division because the reason they probably won it last year because they got the best quarterback in the division. Um, I think I just can't... I know it doesn't count, but I just... Well, I think it doesn't count in some ways, but I do think it counts. I think the best quarterback is going to do enough in the situations when if they present themselves and yeah there's questions in the the Rams defensively not so much in cornerbacks so I think Darius Williams is back they lost both their safeties but Darius Williams about Taylor Rapp is healthy again they've got the greatest the best player in the world in Aaron Donald their offense uh, Whitworth's gone now I think so that line could be interesting and then the quarterbacks I think Stafford's better than Goff it's just how much better than Goff he is and then the Niners He's Shanahan's going to talk him into a hole, into a rut by, by by playing Jimmy for a few weeks too long, I think. And the Cardinals, yeah, as Dave said, Cliff Kingsbury is going to hold them back. So they've got the best. We've got the best quarterback in the division. I think that's just going to be enough. But I do think all four NFC West teams go to the playoffs. And he said the Super Bowl. Then uh, go to the playoffs uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's our season preview of sorts. I think we covered most aspects of what the Seahawks going to be. Is, is there a player, Nick, that you think we haven't talked about who is important and could pop in 2021? I think we've, we've touched on him, but we haven't really spoken about him. It's, it's D. I mean, what he can bring to the offense. He's clearly been brought in with Waldron in mind for a certain style of offense, a certain guy we probably needed because we don't do enough of that short intermediate mm. underneath stuff, which he can really do the jet sweeps and something that, to be honest, Russell doesn't do well. And it's, it's going to be quite interesting to see if Russell can adapt his game to a guy like that as well. Uh, and can do the deep stuff with Tyler and DK and but can also look at, look at D underneath in the slot. I don't know. We'll see, but I think he's going to be a very interesting part of this offense. Yeah. Uh, Dave. Um, Michael Dixon is probably the name that you weren't expecting, but (laughs) the reason why is Seahawks need to get dramatically better at anything over third and six. If Michael Dixon is being bought out time and time over again, something's gone horribly wrong. Uh, There was a thing on PFF earlier. um, One of their analysers, uh, analysts uploaded that Russell Wilson is currently 22nd out of 50 QBs from the last five, uh, five years for third and sixth percentage. And it just, it's because Seahawks have got Michael Dixon, that all pro punter, that's someone they rely on, they, they overuse him. And actually, I think this year it needs to change. And in roundabout ways, DS Gridge is going to help that. Which would be good, but we just paid him a lot of money to do his job as well. Um, I'll happily pay a punter to sit and sit on the down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mac- McAfee walked away from the same amount of money. Um, Adam? Yeah, I've said on the pod before, I think that DS Gridge is the the symbol pick for the future of the Seahawks offense. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that for me was given to Shane Waldron as a gift from Pete Carroll to say, I'm trying to hand the reins over to you, um, which is always great when you say that in April and May, but whether he actually does it in September, October, November, December, uh, we yet to see. Um, it's a bit hot takey to say this, but I would suggest that the success of the Seahawks offense will 
sort of be indicative of how Eskridge is integrated and performed because I think he is a fairly unique player in what they've got. I think he is a guy that was brought in to say, right, we're trying to transition, our, transition ourselves to this style of offense. And for me, if he's not used and doesn't have an impact, even like, you know, on the occasion, I'm not expecting a thousand yards, but three wide receivers is a general, it's is like you're recruiting a base defense now in the modern NFL. So he's going to be out there for a number of snaps. I think if they can't get him involved, then it, it, it's indicative that the transition to Waldron hasn't necessarily worked out as well as it may have done. Yeah, I agree. I would say Eskridge, but to be different, I think I'm going to say Gabe um, Jackson. Mm, good one. Not, not, not a word. I've really heard. I don't pay much attention. So I've heard much about Gabe Jackson, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I'm going to guess it's a good thing, but it's not just. It's, he's got Brandon Shaw. He, he's got Brandon Shaw to his right. He's got what Dave is, is scouting reporting telling us is a, a car crash waiting to happen at centre. And Damien Lewis moving over to left and maybe not Dwayne Bryant left tackle. So if if Dwayne Bryant does not does not suit up for the first one, two, three games, and we have like a situation remember Cam a few years ago, Gabe Jackson is massive for that with the experience, but also just, just being like the just playing well because that the O-line was fine, was better last year. But that was, the biggest plus was because of our right guard who's now playing left guard. So if Gabe Jackson is good, the Seahawks are probably going to be good. If Gabe Jackson's good and Dwayne Brown isn't there, it may may change the offense a bit. But yeah, this just seems, I haven't heard a thing about Gabe Jackson since he signed and I'm not too sure what, if I should or what to read into that but yeah Gabe is going to be important I think well I, I agree with Eskridge I think he's if he if he hits the ground running stays healthy and gets is productive in in his opportunities I think this the offence will be better in the ways it wasn't very good at the back end of last year um, I'm not sure if your take is your hot take is bin worthy so on the Nick you mentioned me earlier today saying you're on hot take so I'm going to throw no, it to really you. Hot take. I just want to get your thoughts on the fact. I would say, though, from what we said earlier, this is the most dislikable Seahawks team I can remember for a long time. Right? There are very few guys in this team I genuinely like as individuals. Maybe not as players. Like, there's very good players in this team, but as individuals, there are so few I like. You look back to that winning team, the championship team, but not just the championship team, like the whole decade previously. So many guys in there you genuinely liked and wanted to succeed, largely because other teams genuinely hated them. And I think that helped. they were our guys, right, weren't they? The Shermans, your Doug Baldwins, Chancellor, Earl Thomas, like these guys, even Russell, right? Even Russell then. Russell now, you can't like the guy as a guy. He is so dislikable. I love him as a quarterback. I think he's fantastic. And I will stand up for him always on that front. But as a person, I just don't have any sort of warm feelings towards him. And I would say that is indicative of what this Seahawks team is right now. Very few likeable guys that I want to root for. Uh, Dave? Uh, in terms of hot takes, I think that Tommy Kern and uh, Stone Forsyth will be playing way more football than they're expecting to in their rookie seasons because uh, I, I genuinely think that Brandon Schall and um, Ogbwene 
uh, liabilities waiting to happen. Shell's normally an injury and Ogbony is just a disaster waiting to happen. So it wouldn't surprise me if that by the end of the season we've got two brand new tackles right now. What about likability of the 2021 Seahawks? Likability? Um, I mean... I like most of them, to be fair. I mean, I've got way too many jerseys to do it. I'm probably the wrong person to ask about likability. I, I try and I, I have to run a cricket team, so I need to get on with everyone and feign my liking for them to get them to play on a Saturday. Adam, I think this is, this kind of feels like it's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely, you know, A1 Nate Nathan comment. But um, it's not likability for me, it's careability. Um, I don't really give a shit about that many of them. Um, I feel like, and this is what always happens in winning teams. There was a previous generation that built a winning team. that yeah. These guys are now coming into and sort of like clinging on to the coattails of the culture. And I suppose that's the way that it always happens when you start winning, that you sort of pine for the guys that built it. Um, yeah. I think we probably see that in, in all sports, you know, Manchester United and in the way that they are, you know, they're not Ferguson's team or whatever. Um, and whilst I want them all to do well, there's there's no one that I think. Well, there's a few. Yeah, there's Lockett and, uh, and Wagner, obviously pre-existing ones, but there aren't many new guys that I feel like are my guys um, in the way that you adored. Like, how many of the fifty-three do you reckon you could name? I know that's a silly question, but you could probably have named everyone on the roster in 2013, 2014, because everyone had a story. Just this quite like a boring, saccharine, normal, in inverted commas, group. And I think we've grown up on such fascinating stories and interesting guys that it just doesn't feel like it used to. But I suppose that's the way in which the sporting world goes with social media and overall added exposure and blah, blah, blah. I think it's the way everything works. I think so. I, I, I kind of I, I know when you got into the sport. Adam. Nick and Dave, how long have you been following the NFL? Two thousand five for me. Dave, uh, ninety nine. I went over to Orlando. Oh. That's when I got my first Mariners cap, and then I've been into American sports since then. In Orlando, yeah. no, ninety nine. Did we ninety nine? No, we didn't. Um, I, so there's a thing. This is it's the same thing. This is. Proper tangent. There's a there's a, there's a similar thing with music where the music you first listen to is the this the music you always go back to the bands you always follow. So like a few weeks ago, a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, I think I read Felix White from the Maccabees book, who's on Ted Enders pod, and it was amazing. But one reason it was amazing is not because of the story, but because his entry points into cricket and into music were exactly the same as mine. But our entry points into this sport were Sherman, Baldwin, Hasselbeck, Alexander, Walter Jones, Holmgren, Pete Carroll. But now the ent- the, those have gone and we don't have the same affinity because they're not, it's not our entry points anymore. We're like haggard kind of thing, like with water, like with water, water damage and all that kind of thing, like the Cliffs of Dover kind of thing. But yeah, like it's, it's the same thing with music. The, the music you first listened to when you first had your own music tastes is different to what you listen to now, but you still listen to that same music and you still want to hear from those people from 2005 or 2006 or 2013 and 2014 instead of the teams and the people that are in the team in 
2021, when you've lived and experienced that first rush, that first adrenaline rush, that first high, that first connection with a team and with characters and with personalities like we did with Sherman Baldwin, Earl, Cam, Marshawn and stuff. I think that is kind of why this team is kind of a bit more detached for me, I think. No, through no fault of their own. It's just not the first team kind of thing, if that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. See, people do agree with me sometimes. Uh, be right. the best point you've ever made, Stu. Well done. <laughs> uh, so, spin in the bin. Uh, I've prepped you before we start recording. I, I mean, there's so many of the last 17 days or so. There's one which come flying in from left field about three hours ago as well. Um, Adam, bin. No, go on. You, you, you go ahead, and I'll uh, uh, but, uh, on your coattails. Bill Belichick is um, impressive for a lot of reasons. Not for... It's dangerous when people in his level of... He's, he's basically an NFL, like, untouchable. He's like, he's like a religious figure in the NFL. Like, historically, in 30, 40 years, the people talk about him the way they talk about Lombardi now. For him to come out and say what he said earlier about vac- vaccinated players and all this, when it's proven from scientists that the vaccination, the infection rate in, in vaccinated NFL players at this point is seven times higher than it is in those getting tagged or getting the virus who are vaccinated and then come out and saying that it's it doesn't matter if you get vaccinated or not. It's just, it's just dangerous. And for someone who... <laughs> doesn't have all the greatest PR all the time to come out and say that it's just it's it's just a bad look especially like I said from someone so high profile so Bertrand can go in the bin Urban Meyer can go in the bin but he's pretty much a resident there as well for coming out and think he can get away with things he, he got away with saying Ohio State and Florida but yeah Bill Belichick it was disappointing and rather dangerous thing to say earlier Adam Again, I'm I'm still kind of marinating on a couple. So, uh, Nick, Nick, why don't you go and then Dave, you can you can go after. Right, I, mine's not particularly NFL related, but it, it could kind of be links. I just want to put Cristiano Ronaldo in there and the adulation he is mm-hmm. getting for this move. When the type of guy that has these sort of allegations against him, it is just sickening for me to see. It was happening again earlier. Mm-hmm. The coverage that he's not getting. I mean, the fact that so many people are oblivious to the case against him in the US and his inability to travel to the country because of these allegations is just, for me, I mean, it's, it's outrageous that it doesn't get the attention that it really deserves. So he's yeah. kind of in. I, as I, are the media, as our football media. I, I, the Granada transfer kind of, I don't know why, because it doesn't affect my football fandom or really doesn't at all never will but it really annoyed me I think for all those reasons it just like we were we how long ago was the European Super League nonsense five months ago and we had Neville carried all the people the high profile people on TVs saying this is a terrible thing and then one of those teams involved go out and spend an ordinate amount of money on English international who six weeks later they don't have any room for really Jane Sancho is an afterthought and then yeah Ronaldo 36 two years whatever millions of dollars and a million pounds um, and the manager comes out and calls him a great human being 
I mean, if anyone can get a bin, it's him because he's overrated. He's not a good football manager, and he he just seems like, <sighs> yeah, a really easily dislikable. Not a good, but not a not good company. I think is way to put it. Like with, like with all the other top managers at the Premier League, you can't say. Yeah, they're annoying because they want to win, like Klopp and all these flailing arms and sideline. But he says things you go, okay. And like, but with Solskjaer, he's just, ugh, ugh, yeah. <laughs> it's Adam Gase, isn't he? <laughs> no, but Gase, Gase was clueless, and Gase wasn't really. Gase is held up as a, like a punch, a, a punchline. Solskjaer is held up like he's this great savant who's bringing Man United back to great. He spent a fucking shitload of money. It's Gase in, it's Gase in the Peyton Manning days. Let's put it that way. Dave, let's go with yours. I've got a couple after you. So I've got three that are all Ooh, connected to the South. All connected. Is it, is, so is it three people on this Zoom call? No, it's not. It's Kava Selikol, Dama Chef, and Sam Lee at The Athletic. Very they good. They have been the bane of my life for the whole of the summer transfer window. Since the Euros ended, I read, I love The Athletic in America. Uh, Sean Dugard does some incredible work. Everyone else that's connected does incredible work. In the UK, some of their football correspondents are the absolute worst. And wherever they get their stories from, I imagine are the people who Solicole and Chef are on the phone to during a Sky Sports news section because it is just complete horseshit and we, it we can act on sam lee we can fully understand the sam lee hey we had the same thing all summer <laughs> absolutely who is sam lee the man, man city, city, city correspondent oh, okay, okay and he reckons he's got so not only does he reckon he's got inside, all the inside stories which half of them are complete nonsense but then he goes back to the people that called him out on it to start off with and gives them receipts on Twitter, follow them, blur them by blocks them just to let them know that he's won and he's a better person than they are. Mm. You know, he's the worst. He's the absolute worst. I've never heard of him, so but Kave Solokol is uh, just he's Ian Rappaport without any self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Not a shred. Like Rappaport seems to know his role a little bit. Like he is like Chef is annoying, but he is number two to Chef. That Solicole thinks, I think it might mean you or someone. Adam, you retweeted yesterday. He, he thinks he's like a really key, important part of the entire business of football. When he's just, I mean, it was pathetic to watch last night. At a point, and Darren McCanty just kind of shut him down. He was quiet for twenty minutes, and as soon as Darren McCanty left the studio. He repeated everything back to everyone else what Derek Ante had just said, as if it was his. Oh, he's. I don't know, Sam Lee. I go. I, I go bow to your um, I'll deeper knowledge of him, but yeah, Carvick's Holocaust is just, just the worst man. Uh, Adam, I've got two for you. Firstly, uh, the people at ESPN Seven Ten have uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately terminated the employment of two of our very good friends of the show, Paul Gallant and Danny O'Neill. Um, from what I can tell, both came as a surprise in the way that it was handled, um, which doesn't seem to be a particularly nice way to deal with people. And uh, so firstly, send a bit of love to 
our friends Paul and Danny um, always be welcome with our lucrative position of third microphone here if, if ever, <laughs> ever you fancy it but uh, yeah ESPN 710 show a bit of class and uh, look after your people better um, and secondly a more jovial one um, you'll probably all three know more about this than me I'm sort of just looking at it uh, from an outsider looking in but these New York Mets players that are booing their own fans. I mean, what a great story that is. I mean, we're all obviously English football for English soccer fans. And as far as I'm concerned, the best fan bases in America are New York and Philadelphia, because for me, they're the only ones that really hate their own teams with the passion that, you know, that, that's what we like. You know, we're not here to wait, like wait, wait. That's, no, that's what you two like. Yeah. That's we, how you've lived 25 years of exactly, your existence. Exactly. Nick and I hate our team. And that, for me, is why the Philadelphia media, you know, the New York fans, they're, they're a bit of me. So to see, for, for those that don't understand, know what's going on, the New York Mets fans have been booing and thumb-downing a few of their players uh, over the last few weeks. And these players have responded by whenever they have a hit or a home run, whatever, responding to their own fans by booing their fans and putting their thumbs down at their, at their fans. Being called out by their ownership. I mean, it's hilarious, but... Grow a pair, boys. I mean, that really is quite pathetic. Um, uh, no, see, I disagree. I think it's incredible. I think it's so funny. Why is it not funny? I mean, it's funny, but it's pathetic from the players. I mean, Nick and I will never forget Matthew Etherington swearing at the Park Lane in 2000 uh, in the final <laughs> defeat home to Blackburn. Or Hossam Ghali, Hossam Ghali throwing exactly, shit exactly. You are there to be booed by us. That is your role in life, and that, that's the way it goes. I'm afraid we pay for the privilege. By the way, I mean, Nick started by a guy who's been a Met for like ten days as well, and Javi Baez, which kind of makes it. I think that makes it a bit better because he's just. He's immediately picked up on the fact. Yeah. Uh, Dave, thoughts on the Mets being booed by their fans? The nearest thing I'd describe it as is like a sibling that you hate. But if someone ever comes up to you and then starts going against you, that's it. You're, you, that's it. You'll stand up for them. I, I have had many arguments with my brother. If anything was to ever happen, it'd be the first one there. And that's why you've got to hate your own club at times is because they need to know that you love them, but through hatred. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like we're, we're all still at our respective football clubs just because we've been there for a lot. And like, what ninety three was my first game. It's now twenty twenty one, so Same. it's been a, it's been a while. Um, yeah. Anyone else you want to pay mention to who can be adjacent to the bin? I think this much happened. I mean, it is worth obviously when you're in the bin, you fall to the bottom of that bin, and so it is worth mentioning that Arsenal are currently bottom of the Premier League table with zero points and Spurs are top. But yeah, just it would be uh, it would be remiss of me to let that slide, uh, given that it's the first time it's happened in my life, and uh, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. It's the first time it's happened ever. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is, you get to watch on all or nothing at the end of the season as well. I mean, are you two watching that series in no. next July? I didn't watch. watch I didn't watch our own one, so I'm not going to watch okay. that. I'll watch the episode at least. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that is everything. Obviously, the season starts in around 10, 11 days' time against the Colts uh, Sunday evening, nine o'clock. Thank you. I've been paying attention to the 2021 season. Uh, yeah, if you want to get involved, as these two fine gentlemen have on my left on my left hand side, uh, you can on patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, all the usual means and methods. Massive thanks to Nick and Dave for taking time out there very late evening, early morning, and jumping on and chatting to us. Invite is always open. 
Uh, yeah, jump back on. Not always. I mean, when we have Seahawks Super Bowl winning champions responding <laughs> to emails, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be maybe next week. But uh, yeah, we do massively appreciate you jumping on both of you. So yeah, cheers, boys. Thank you. Hi, welcome. Pleasure. And Adam, happy anniversary, sir. Thank you very much. Let me ask you one getting the praise here for goodness sake. I'm taking time out of you know a special day of my my, my calendar, you see. Yeah, but it's only special it's only, only taking time because you were late. I mean I, I that, that seems like an unfair accusation to throw at me at twelve thirty at night. I don't that, that's not very classy of you. Yeah. So is it, is it next summer is it next summer into the is it third anniversary? Fourth third anniversary. Third anniversary of Watford two Spurs one and the loss and my wedding, sorry. So it's like the next summer that uh, your uh, wife's choice to manufacture a move to Man City. I think that's what it is, yeah. 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 It's been the Nation Podcast. Go on.